2: Good morning and welcome in Rob Black and your money. Last day of the year to chat with me. The end of the year is amongst us. I always like the end of the year. I'm not sure about you, but I certainly do. Uh, It's time to look back and see what worked, what didn't work. It's time of the year to, I'm not going to say be reflective, but to figure out where you want to be positioned next year. I said at the beginning of last year, you want to be in financials. If I were to say one broad sweeping thing, I would say that. I said the year before you want to be in one area, you want to be in financials. I also included technology last year. I'm saying the same thing this year, but again, financials is my number one positive idea. Um, in large part, I see the economy improving and financials improving with it. That's it. We've reached the end of the year. Nothing crazy going on. Quick look, nothing up my sleeve. Anything up your sleeve? Nothing up your sleeve. Not a lot of magic, right? And sometimes it happens and it's totally normal and just a-okay. Um, to get your calls on the air today, I'd love it if we get more phone calls. Otherwise, I assure you, I'm going to get done doing this. It's just, I kind of need you to be involved. Um, uh, and not just a listener. I get tons of emails when I say, hey, is anyone out there listening? Tons of emails rolling. Um, it'd be nice. What will investors be chasing in the new year? That's always a pretty good question. We'll talk about that today. There's a big snowstorm. It's taking shape. It's going to be a wicked winter weather type of scenario in the Northeast on Thursday. A mile long train operated by Burlington Northern Santa Fe, which is part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. It carried crude oil. It derailed and exploded, triggering a giant fireball yesterday. Pope, he's been very, very critical about the rich and capitalism. It's caused at least one wealthy benefactor to be hesitant about lending financial support to one of the Catholic Church's major fundraising projects. Wow. How's that for an unintended consequence? That's something I I, I totally believe in. We want health care for all people in America. But once we we get it, someone pays for it, including the people who get that health care. And will the unintended consequence be they don't shop for food? Pope, he's been very critical of, the, uh, of wealth. Um, and now some of the wealthy people are going to give money to the church. Very interesting, right? Dozens of corporate tax breaks will expire tonight with new rules kicking in as New Year begins tomorrow. We'll talk about some of those tax breaks a little bit later in the show. U.S. government has authorized six sites where unmanned aircraft can be tested for a variety of uses, i.e. drones, um, they're in six different states. It's pretty interesting to see the story. That's the New York Times. You want to go take a look at that today. Drones could be a big business for Boeing. Uh, they seem to be at the right place as far as the military angle goes on that. Will they be able to transition that into a commercial business tied towards consumer market and or tied towards retail public, uh, the private sector? Over the last century, the Dow's posted an average 1% gain for January, with blue chip index being positive more than 60% of the time for the first month of the year. Hertz is in the news today. They've adopted the shareholder rights plan. The car rental company adopted the so-called poison pill after seeing what it calls unusual and substantial activity in the company's shares. One of the more interesting things about Hertz is, if you ever go to rent a car, they're like, you have to be 25 years old. That's interesting in large part because they don't want them wrecked. And It makes you think as a parent, like, should I give my kids a car and I'll pay for the insurance? Or has Hertz figured something out? Netflix has terminated a shareholder rights plan. The plan had been adopted a year ago after Carl Icahn took a 10% stake in the company. Netflix gave CEO Reed Hastings a 50% 50 salary increase in 2014 after the company saw their shares more than quadruple. Phillips 66 is selling one of its units to Berkshire Hathaway in exchange for Phillips stock already owned by Berkshire the unit makes chemicals designed to increase flow in energy pipelines. KKR, they reported a 6.8% stake in chipmaker Marvel Technology. The private equity firm said it may talk to the company about investigating a merger or reorganization of the business. So, Twitter. This is one of those water cooler kind of things we have to talk about. Twitter, how they jumped the shark. Despite some recent pullbacks, stocks performed nicely since its IPO. <coughs> but a new study shows that LinkedIn and Pinterest are much more popular with adults. And that Twitter's just not gaining a lot of traction with most of America. Now, with a lot of America they are, but not most of America. Tim Tebow signed a multi-year deal with ESPN, which is a division of ABC, which is a division of Disney. He'll be making his broadcast debut before Monday's champ national title game on the BCS between Florida State and Auburn. I think great right there. Some of us will tune in to watch. Now, of course, it's it's the national title game, and typically it's one of the better games of the year in football. I don't even know that's true, but I just said it, so it kind of makes it true. Um, but. I'll certainly want to take a look at that one, I think. You know, see how he's doing. The SP and p 500's up 4 today. The Dow's up 34. The NASDAQ is up 11. Corn has had its worst year since 1980. Not corn, but gold has had its worst year since 1981. So, the last correction in gold took 20 years to play out. Don't look for gold to be like the stock market and come roaring back. Home prices are up thirteen point six percent over the past twelve months. Gold sits at twelve oh seven announced day, crude oil sits at ninety-eight dollars and fifty-four cents a barrel. Ten year treasury sits at two point nine nine. So we really this is the year where we this is the year where we got back to three percent. Or this is the year where we got damn close to it. Eight hundred five one six, twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's been a big year for IPOs. Keep in mind that IPOs tend to underperform the stock market in the first year of trading. Hilton was probably, I think, one of the bigger ones. But 222 companies went public. They raised $55 dollars. Now, why do I say that 88 uh, over 90 percent of IPOs underperform the S P 500 in their first year of trading? It's because basically. You have to look at it as there's winners and losers. And everyone who's bought the stock or owns the stock before it comes public when it's still private, they typically get the stock for dollars on the share, half price, 25% off, 99% off. And they're looking to raise some money to diversify their portfolio, to buy a boat, to buy a car, to do something. So as we roll into the new year, I'd love to hear some of your stock ideas, what you think is going to happen. You just want to send me an email, rob at robblack.com, and put down stock ideas. I'll read it on air. Or if you want to call the show, it's 800 1220 It's 800 1220 Tell friends about the show in the new year. Um, spread the word and make sure we get this a more call-driven show. 800 Don't forget, I do have an event coming up, a retirement planning event in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Coming up in mid-January. Thursday, the 16th, you can learn more about the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
0: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Dow hit 51st record close of the year yesterday. That's pretty impressive. Considering the year has, what, 200 200 trading days plus, we had a pretty damn good year. It doesn't always happen like that. Despite the lackluster trading, Wall Street's set to close the books on a historic trading year, especially as we wrap up the year. SP 500's on track for an annual gain of 29%, if it just holds that. Pretty impressive. Best since 1997. Probably one of the, those years when you look back after a 40-year investment in history, it'll be one of the 40 best years to ever invest. And did you miss it? Did you buy into the Republicans-Democrats budget debacle? Did you pull money out? Did you taper too early? S&P 500 up 29%. Now, again... It doesn't always go up, and it doesn't always feel this good. Sometime, I think, in the next two to three years, it's going to have a down year. Historically, it goes up seven out of ten years. If you include dividends. The S P 500 was up 32% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended its six-day winning streak. It fell yesterday a couple points. Trading has been very, very light during the holidays. Ten-year Treasury is playing with that 2.993% level. And it seems to be a bit of the new norm as long as economic data continues to come out generally positive. Twitter's back at 60 bucks. At one point last week, it just had a moonshot. I don't like IPOs. To me, they're like that first person you ever dated where they've never put their tongue in another person's mouth. And when they do, they kind of freak out. They've never been touched in a passionate kind of way. When they do, they freak out. I like my stocks to age a little bit. It's a really, really odd concept, but I want my CEO to see what it's like to be a in, CEO in January at the start of the year. Just be the CEO in October at the end of the year. I want to see some. Uh, I, I want to see some tenure, so to speak. Oh my! In a record-setting blowout. Southern wins basketball game by 104 points. Division one champion Baptist College, lost by 54 to Southeastern Louisiana. But the biggest blowout of all time, 116 to 12. That's just. call it quits, right? 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and much, 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 much more. Um, Some other stories of the year. I certainly think, you know, it's that time of year where you do start to look back and go, uh, how did things play out? And should they play out this way or that way next year? So one of the things I'm always looking at is where investments are happening What's kind of sexy in the world of technology? Um, one area that we're going to talk a lot about this year, in 2014, will be that you know, wireless smoke detector that's tied into the Internet. It's going to get competition. There's a company called Nest that does it. Um well, Nest does the thermostat, but there's also, there's a company called Birdie, and what they do is air quality, so they you know try to figure out smoke carbon monoxide if something goes wrong in your house, they'll alert emergency response services, or they'll help you alert emergency response services. They can hit other things in the air like um pollen, you know uh quality of air. Natural gas, gas in the air, fires. So it's got an Indiegogo campaign. And again, censors are starting to tie in with smart devices. You're going to hear more and more and more about some of the hot startups that are out there and what they mean to you and me. There's a company called Circle Internet Financial. They're trying to make bitcoins mainstream so as far they've raised nine million dollars for some pretty good partners. So you're gonna hear a lot about Bitcoin IPO and not IPO, but companies around Bitcoin, IPO and Snapchat, they've turned down a three billion dollar offer from Facebook, they've turned down a four billion dollar offer from Google. They've got a massive user base. It's still smaller than Instagram. Active users are important. Um, right now, they're seeing about 400 million me- uh, photos through it per day. Snapchat, obviously, the instant message doesn't last forever. And I, privacy advocates love it. Teenagers love it. And that's a good combination. Inside.com is a company that's got 15 beta users. It's going to... We don't know what it's going to do. It's one of those private startups. that It's going to be topical... And it'll give us insight into something, whether it's aviation or architecture. Will it be news-driven? We don't know. But that's one of those companies that we're going to hear more about next year. There's a company called AMBRO, which is a food startup based in Finland. They're launching a product for busy, ambitious people who care about their health. It's a liquid-based organic meal which fulfills daily nutrition requirements. You can prepare it in two minutes. Um, So it's one of those... uh, Nutrition crazes it's probably about to hit. Ambro. Quinkle. Um, Stanford student, which Stanford's got a huge class right now that's going to be creating all sorts of crazy stuff in the next five to ten years. There's a company called Quinkle. Um, Don't know a lot about it. We do know that they've already had some ups and downs. It's going to be a big thing in payments, so we think. And we'll learn more about that in 2014. Uh, A company called Lyft, L-Y-F-T. They're rapidly becoming a mainstay in the hands of economically conscious city dwellers. So it's interesting to note it's a ride-sharing service, which is kind of like a cab, kind of like HOV, kind of like ride-sharing They've expanded their service into San Francisco, East Bay Area, from Oakland into Castro Valley. they in suburbs of L.A., Pasadena, Malibu. They're training local residents to kind of be cabbies. Kind of. It's, it's really catching on nicely. Think about New Year's Eve. You need a ride? Get your app out? Boom. No more waiting 45-plus minutes for a cab. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. air. It's 800-516-1220. This is Rob Black, Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.
0: 1220 KDOW traffic.
3: An accident has been cleared off the Benicia Bridge in this council.
0: And Radio Station.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black, your money. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare for Briefing.com. How are you, Patrick? Hi, Rob, I'm doing fine. Thanks. How about yourself? Doing really well. I opened the show by talking about how in the next forty years, and I call an investment lifetime forty years from age twenty to sixty. Um, In the next 40 years, if we see another year like this, I would be surprised. It's been that good of a year, up 29% on the S&P 500. Um, Is that kind of thinking good or bad? Because I guess I'm kind of limiting myself a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I frankly, I would not be surprised if we saw another year like this uh, year in the next 40 years, anyway. um, You know, I don't know what those drivers are, and uh, and who knows, you know, if you could be working off of a a much lower base, too, that makes a year like this year possible. But all that said, uh, you know, you have that. Uh, as an investor, you have to maintain that long-term uh, outlook, that, that patience to stay in the market. It's been a time-tested strategy that even though you've really have seen some uh, some real uh broadsided hits certainly over the last ten to fifteen years um, you know here we are and and uh, simply buying and holding during that period while uh, while difficult to do at times uh, has been ultimately rewarding so um, you know no one knows what the future holds uh, but I'd say you know there's an outside shot certainly that you get another big year like the year we just had certainly over uh, over that long time frame that we've uh, talked about today.
2: I guess what I'm trying to get at is that um, it was a year that you didn't want to be out of the market. And yes, we've had years like this in our lifetime, but um, I try to get people to stay in the markets and not to read too much of the headline news and really just play in the market because it was a glorious year and to have missed it. It's not once in a lifetime, but pretty darn close.
1: Right, you know, there was certainly a huge opportunity cost uh, by not being involved in this market, and you know, like a lot of pundits had, had said, really since 2009, you know, that what the Fed was doing was uh, was really going to uh, screw things up, you know, and there was a lot of uh, uh, scary-sounding prognostications about the implications of the Fed's policy, and and uh, and thus far, you know. They haven't rang true, um, you know. Inflation being, you know, number one aspect there, and we still have not seen that despite all that the Fed has done uh, with its quantitative easing. And um, and yes, you know, you've got these artificial supports underlying the stock market here in terms of price action, uh, and that could be disruptive here as we see the Fed starting to pull back on its quantitative easing, but. You know, what we've learned uh, certainly, you know, over the years is that these markets, they can stay overextended for a lot longer than you think, and despite all of the very sound reasoning behind why they do not belong where they are. um, That's just the nature of things uh, with a, you know, highly liquid market. And so, uh, obviously, very large opportunity cost, not only not being in the market this year, but not being in the market uh, over the last five years, really.
2: In your opinion, Mr. O'Hare, chief market analyst with briefing. dot com, do you think we are now in that ten year Treasury is going to stay at three percent area, and the markets will start digesting that? Are we have we made that transition in the ten year Treasury, no longer in the low twos, mid twos, it's going to be upper twos or low threes for a while?
1: Well, it would certainly, uh, make sense, we think, uh, with the, you know, outlook for an improving economy, uh, that should lend itself to more bank lending activity, uh, ideally more corporate investment activity, uh, more job growth, more income growth. And so you should start seeing all those things pick up and, and, and that should press, you know, inflation rates, uh, higher as well. But, uh, right now there is still so much slack In the labor market that, uh, the wage income component, uh, is not likely to prove, uh, super inflationary at this point. Of course, we also have the, the energy revolution in the U.S. here that's keeping energy costs down. And so that's an important component as it relates to, uh, inflation trends. And that's going to be a key factor in, in driving those long-term interest rates. So I think, you know, we, we probably have, have, you know, moved into a, into a new level as you allude to is where we see, you know, rates more in the three percent area versus uh, you know two and a half percent and lower um, and and the mark the market you know as I look at the stock market anyway it seems to be okay with that um, because you're seeing that move to three percent coincide with in improving economic data, and and that's a good thing, you know, that's going to ultimately uh, bode well for for corporate earnings if you get this uh, economic pickup that's been really elusive here over the last uh, many years. Um, So, the the, the key thing, though, really will be, I think, the, the pace at which interest rates pick up, right? So, moving from, you know, 2.75 to 3% here has been tolerated just fine. You know, going from 3 to 3 and a quarter probably still okay. But if we get a, a quick spike, you know, up to 3.5% and above, uh, then it could be problematic because a spike like that would probably be driven in large part by uh, the market fearing that the Fed is now behind the curve and removing its accommodation because the economy is getting better and therefore is inviting a greater risk of inflationary pressure.
2: Taking a look at 2014, one of the trends that you talked about was the lower energy costs, the oil boom, natural gas boom in the United States. Is that going to play out as positively as the early press releases make it look like?
1: Well, we certainly saw some some benefit of it, uh, you know, this year. Um, it should certainly continue to be a positive here for for manufacturers and for the U.S. as a whole. You know, the less reliant we need to be on imports from the Middle East, all the better. And then to become, you know, in that export-oriented uh, country as relates to energy supplies is is certainly going to be be helpful. So. Uh, With the added supply there, um, you know, it does become that supply-demand relationship, and the the excess supply we've got going right now should work to help keep uh, energy prices, you know, down and relatively lower than they would be otherwise without that excess supply. So, you know, on a net net basis, it should be a positive and continue to be a positive uh, anyway for the U.S. economy.
2: Briefing.com wrote, I thought, a pretty smart piece a couple weeks ago on Obamacare and how the average person under 30 probably just going to be wise just to take the penalty because it won't really add up to much. That wasn't your recommendation, but that's what was the insight. How does Obamacare play into the economy? Because from what I'm hearing, it's about $250 for policy out of people's pockets. The deductibles are pretty high, so people aren't going to use it as rapidly as they thought. The pre-existing conditions are going to be pricey to the nation. Uh, any insights that you can glean from Obamacare this early in the game?
1: Yeah, gosh, um, it is it is challenging. And um, Bob Green uh, wrote that piece you're referencing and uh, is ahead of the curve column on briefing.com. And, and it's a salient point. Um, you know, the key thing to make Obamacare work uh, ultimately is to get, you know, younger people to sign up to use it uh, because they're going to, you know, basically help shoulder the costs of, uh, you know, those enrollees with pre-existing conditions and and older enrollees who have, um, you know, a greater need for medical care than these younger, healthy people do. And so that's going to be continue to be a recurring concern in 2014 um, that that that, that might not transpire, you know, that you just don't get the young people signing up for it. And, and of course, you're rolling into the midterm elections. And, uh, you know, if, say, for instance, there was a Republican sweep, You know, um, and you're going to start hearing, you know, increased talk about repealing Obamacare. And so, I think really what we know at this point is that there's still a great deal of confusion surrounding Obamacare. And if the political calculus changes so that you get to a point where you're going to start um, thinking that there's a real credible chance of repealing Obamacare, it does create, you know, this cloud of uncertainty again as to you know what the next step is. Um, Now, having said all that, you know, we've we've heard. You know, just generally, a lot of generalizations about how Obamacare is going to hold back hiring activity, and and you know, on the margin, you know, it probably has you know for some small businesses certainly, but you know what we're seeing in the labor market data of late does not suggest that it has been the real impediment that uh, to hiring that it has been made out to be. But um, but you know, costs are going up and taxes are going up for. Certain individuals who are going to help shoulder the cost of Obamacare in 2014, and and uh, you know, and that could be you know, leave the economy being a little bit less than it otherwise would be uh, if they lose some of that disposable income potential because they're you know paying higher taxes.
2: We've got a little less than a minute. We're speaking with Chief Market Strategist Patrick O'Hare briefing.com. He's been brilliant this year with his insight. Anything that you're working on that we should be aware of to look forward to in 2014?
1: Right. Well, um, quite honestly, I wish I had some great insight for you, Rob. But uh, the fact okay. of the matter is, I'm going to be on vacation next week, so I'm not working on anything at the at this very moment. But uh, one of the things I'll, I'll be doing before I leave, though, is looking at the earnings outlook for the uh, for the fourth quarter period, because you know, earnings growth is going to be key to that 2014 outlook. Uh, we need to see this transition from the Fed-supported economy to a real economy that's driven by quality earnings growth. And that could help sustain
2: the stock market rally we've seen in 2013. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. It's independent insight into world and domestic markets. I think it's can't-miss type of reach. Um, as far as financial information goes, I start each and every day. Honestly, I do. I'm not just saying this with uh, Patrick O'Hare's uh, morning commentary. It's called uh, Page One. Uh, and like he referred to, there's other analysts that work there that publish insights, obviously including the economists uh, and and others. Um, it's worth a read. Take a look. Briefing.com. It's briefing.com. We have an upmarket. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Talk about it and the end of the year.
0: At robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Gold's on track for its biggest annual loss in 32 years. I can't imagine one reason to own gold. World economy is slightly improving, Fed is starting to taper. I'm not saying that it goes to $600 an ounce, but I can't find one reason to own gold. It's just not even in my my dictionary. It's it's not in my... I can't figure it out. I know what gold means. (laughs) It's just my dictionary. It's just... I can't do it. Um, Home prices had a big annual gain. Will it continue to go up? Home prices eventually need... Just like Wall Street, earnings. You know how the low cost of money has made it possible for corporations to buy back shares? They've done a nice job of of focusing in on earnings now. Some say at the expense of future earnings by not investing in infrastructure. But the stock market can't go up forever unless it has real earnings based off job growth. The housing market needs job growth, but it also needs real earnings. The average American is in a tougher position than they were 10 years ago when adjusted for inflation. Their salaries haven't increased. Home prices can't continue to increase forever and ever and ever and ever unless there's someone who's got the money to buy or to service the mortgage. As mortgage rates climb this year, and some people are talking about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac completely getting out of the mortgage market, and then suddenly mortgages are going to become very complicated problems. In large part, You're not going to get lent money, like you used to get lent money. And loans will be tied towards collateral quicker. Um, Getting the government out gets the friend of the consumer out, in theory. And it turns it into much more of a business. So your idea of getting a loan, unless you're really, really well qualified, it ain't going to happen. Um, Netflix is testing new price tiers for video service. What's interesting to notice about this one is they're talking about $6.99 a month instead of $7.99 a month. And it takes away high definition and puts it just on, you know, regular levels of definition, standard definition. This seems to be tied towards people who have an older TV or who want to watch it on the computer. And it's really meant for only one device. Right now with seven ninety nine plan you could watch two screens at once, including TVs and mobile devices. So they're trying to get into a new market, kind of the not up to date person. It's an interesting way to look at it. Six ninety nine ain't ain't too shabby. If you've got kids, the programming at Netflix is ideal. You don't need a hundred and fifty dollar cable package. You're done. Six ninety nine. And if your could can tell the difference between high definition, standard definition, well, he's got pretty good eyes. And I just say, shut up, watch TV. Um, other stories of note today on Wall Street in the world. I, I thought this was interesting. There was an analyst who was being interviewed on his official 2014 market predictions, and it'll it'll make you snicker, but it also is pretty funny, and it's right on. So he wrote down his category, Dow Jones Industrial Average. His forecast is no idea. S&P 500, his forecast is WTF. Are you asking me for? The 10-year Treasury bond, his, his forecast could not fathom a guess. The Fed funds rates haven't got a clue. Housing market of the United States, he said that's a really good question. Inflation, not a clue. GDP, Yes, we will probably have a GDP. Unemployment, pfft. possibility of a recession, 2014. Possibility and probability are two different things. So clearly, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. It's a message that's loud and clear. It's something that you should pay good, deep attention to. That it's foolish to try to predict what's going to happen in the near term. It's mentally frustrating. It's a money losing exercise. It's probably a good idea to make short-term tactical adjustments to your portfolio evaluation scream opportunity. But this should always be done in context of your long-term strategic investment plan. I totally agree 100% with that. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. Five NFL coaches got fired yesterday. Again, talking about job security, do you have it or not? um you work from age 20 to 60. I call those years of accumulation. You manage your wealth from age 60 to 100. Hopefully you get to 100 and you're in reasonable health. Hopefully you get to 60 in reasonable health. Let's just hope for reasonable health. One of your demands upon yourself this year should be to lose a little bit more weight You should have a resolution for yourself on losing a little bit more weight. Um, Another thing you should do is stop trying to save money by shopping on the sale rack. That's not a discount if you don't need it. I recently saw 50% off at Banana Republic. They always do this the day after Christmas and as they close out the year. They're trying to get rid of inventory fast. They're trying to raise cash fast. I'm like, you know what? I don't need new clothes. Open your eyes to how much money you waste this year, whether it be cable channels, whether it's food that goes bad, whether it's unused extended warranties, whether it's clothes you never really wear. Watch your waste. Have some resolutions this year. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Welcome oh, man. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money investing, and more. What's on your holiday financial mind? I would love to interact with you on some of this and much, much more, obviously. Um, There's so much to talk about. End of the year. Big end of the year story was that it was a big year. Can we expect the same thing next year? No way. If it happens, what do you say? Thank you. I'm always invested. I will always be invested until I no longer need to grow my money. When I have enough that it's laughable, I probably won't invest. I probably will never have enough that it's laughable. There's always another island, right? Consumer confidence is one of the headlines out there today. But I'd rather talk about the market being up 30%. Well, confidence is important because as soon as that confidence number came out, the market moved a little bit higher. Consumer confidence is basically telling me that in the current as well as in the future, people are expressing a greater degree of confidence in their jobs and the economic outlook. They're a little bit more pessimistic about their earnings. Consumers are in better spirits today than when the year began. And that tells me They're probably going to spend and go on vacation. When you're on vacation, you're probably going to make love. When you make love, you're probably going to make a baby. When you make a baby, you're probably going to have to pay for diapers. When you pay for diapers, that's going to lead to preschool. Another preschool teacher gets hired. That's going to lead to elementary school. Your wife's going to say, you know what? I don't like our school district. My kid's getting bullied. We're going to move to a nicer school district. That's going to lead to a home builder. That's going to And you see how it all plays out, right? The economy is interconnected. And confidence is important. It's not the end all be all, especially on the downside. To me, confidence feels like this I hear that it's tough out there, and I look at my neighbors, and one of them's retired, one of them's pushing 70, one of them's a home inspector, one of them works in the city, and I'm like, okay. I bet that home inspector is going to have tougher times because mortgage rates go up, fewer people are going to need their homes inspected. I bet he's not going to go on as many vacations this year. And that's kind of how confidence works. For me, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to make babies. I'm going to do everything I am supposed to do. But I'm projecting that my neighbor won't on the downside. Now, it's market and economy that's positive, so it's probably more upside Importance in consumer confidence and downside, because we live in a world of dread where we do like to focus on worst-case scenarios. The SP 500 today is up. It has a nice... It has a very nice end-of-the-year gap up, especially on that confidence number, the last 30 minutes, sitting up at 1847. 1850 is the year in target that I talked about about six months ago. And sure enough, it's pretty darn close. I'm not, that's not feather my hat, because I don't believe in feathers and hat. I don't. Um, the Dow's up 46, sitting at 16,550. The NASDAQ up 20, sitting at 4,174. It's a little bit of a shocker, up over 30% for the year. Um, I'm a big fan of end of the year, things to maximize your money, learning how to you know, financially plan everyone should have a financial plan. You know, I get on Facebook every now and then, and I see people who don't have a financial plan. A friend of mine went to Thailand. A friend of mine went to India. And I assure you they're not ready for retirement. Um, And that's the whole goal of the show is get you ready for retirement. Pay your bills. Create a budget. Have a little extra spend on fun for sure. But not too much fun. That friend who is in India, I know that for a fact, you know, she's pretty frugal. No, no, the friend in India is not frugal. Um, Lots and lots of trips, lots and lots of fun. And she wants to make a baby and have a kid. And she's going to have to leave the workforce to make a baby and have a kid. And she's partying with two incomes and not one. So a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, they don't realize that Their lifestyle is fun, and they deserve it? Absolutely. They've been tortured. The millennials have been tortured. So they deserve to have some fun and blow through thousands and thousands of dollars because they have a job. Their co-peers who don't have jobs have to live at home. They have to put up with them. So have a budget, pay your bills, plan for retirement. A little extra on the side, but not too much on the side. Max out your 401k. This last paycheck that I got, I love because I haven't been maxed out my 401k. I maxed out my 401k so that it ends in September. Some people spread it out over all 12 months, over all 24 pay periods. Some people do it, you know, $1,000 pay period, and they're done after 16, 17 pay periods. So I'm going to have less of my paycheck, a lot less. But that's okay. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the start of the new year. An emergency fund is, fund is important. Um, emergency fund is not freedom. An emergency fund is not a hundred inch TV. An emergency fund is, you know, here's a resolution. Stop buying new cell phones. Keep your old cell phone or buy a used cell phone or buy cheap cell phone. Just try it. Something I've learned is that I use my phone. I don't use 98% of my phone's functions. Rarely do I use my phone as a phone. Um, Get all your docs in a row. When I say docs in a row, I'm being cute. But if you have a child, you need a will or a trust. You need to have a plan in case, you know, mom and dad get hit by a drunk driver. You need to have a plan on those documents that, like, um, let's say you have a kid. Your wife wants that kid to go to your cousin. But your husband wants it to go to his sister, or your husband wants it to go to your sister. You need to have a documented plan on what this is going to look like, and who's going to get control, and who's going to take over the money from life insurance to leave. And what does that mean for your kid? For instance, I've got a cousin that she's moved her kid three times from three different public schools because he's getting picked on, and I I think she's a little bit... She's not like a kid to experience a kid. She's micromanaging... Everything for them. I don't want my kid going there. You know, I want my kid to be a kid. I want my kid to have fun and laugh and have friendships and not be yanked from school to school on mom's will. It's a little bit of a bully mentality that you can't handle, that your kid can't handle things, that you need to make decisions for them. So young people change jobs, and it's important that you have health insurance. It's important that you have a 401K. When you're young, if you get vested after three years, like there was a company that I spoke at this year, that after three years, they give you 6% bonus every year in cash just for being with a company. Now, it's actually not a bonus. It's actually a pension plan where it goes into your retirement, or it should be retirement money. So it goes into a bank account in your name, and it gets tied towards like some sort of 10-year treasury or like a LIBOR rate, so you get some sort of interest on it. But if you make $100,000 a year, they give you an extra 6000 just to stay. So, just because you're making $100,000 a year and it's now time to go to another company, you're ready to move on, make sure your perks of that new company equal the perks of the old company, or at least consider that. Big retirement event coming up in Palo Alto in mid January. It's a Thursday event, 16th. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
0: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Yesterday, there was a story about an awful restaurant. <laughs> I won't mention their name. It's kind of like a TGIF, but clo- not as bad, but close. Offering a three hundred fifty dollar, you know, evening. Dinner uh, for New Year's Eve. And I was like, that's crazy. But the craziest part was $250 to bring your kid. Now, Guy Fieri's Times Square Restaurant, it is super expensive, even though the food's horrific. A table for two, it will cost you $795 before gratuity. Now, for the price of two dinners, per se, um, you'd expect everything to be decadent, like gold-dusted nachos, scallops with pearls. Instead, you basically get the typical crap. Um, Sugar wings, (laughs) brown sugar wings. An open bar, which means you're going to get served once every two hours. I can't imagine... Why would someone pay $300, 400 $500 for New Year's Eve? Now, again, if you're super rich, perfect. If this is your once-in-a-decade splurge, perfect. But more often than not, it's not. So $800 for a table for two? Uh-uh. And by the way, Applebee's $375 is even worse of a deal when you figure it out. Because uh, you're stuck at Applebee's. What did you do for New Year's Eve? I went to Applebee's. Right? Doesn't sound very sexy. So watch how you spend your money this year. If, again, there's one thing that I'm pushing. Let, let's watch how we waste money. If we just simply cut down on waste. We'll have more to invest. If we have more to invest, you could probably make more of a mistake here or there. So cutting down on the wasting of food, the wasting of clothes, the wasting of alcohol... Um, I don't know. It's, it's I it's, I guess I get a little too heavy into this resolution thing. One one resolution that I have is, is quit thinking you're worth as much as you think you're worth and just push ahead. Anytime someone sends me their portfolio to reveal, they always, not always, but most of the time they add in the value of their home. I'm like, do you have, do you have earthquake insurance and they're like no i'm like well then if your home gets you know knocked over it's really not worth that but it likely it won't happen is what everyone uh tends to hide behind your home is a liability it is not an investment until it's paid for and then it's only worth 60 cents on the dollar in case a, a disaster hits it this would be an interesting year on gold Gold and the yen. The yen is something where Japan is devaluing their currency, a lot like the United States did. Japan's stock market's up 50% this year. A lot like the United States, that cheap monetary policy is helping their stocks long before true earnings get there. So, gold is a play on this because that's a currency that's devaluing. The United States is still devaluing their currency. We have very low cost of money. We still are printing money, although we're printing less of it, to buy debt. We've started cutting back on that. So there is an angle where gold could go higher. In the first hour, I said, I can't figure out one angle, and it's the yen. But if you're long gold stocks, you're in pain, especially if you've been long gold and dollars, which is how most people trade gold. You may want to consider, if you want to try to trade gold, to trade it with the yen, It's a huge differentiation, and it's a way different way of thinking, and most of the average investors out there who are listening have no idea what I'm talking about or how to implement it correctly. I want to own some Nikkei. I think uh, the Nikkei is going to outperform as long as Japan has their cheap monetary policy. So I'm looking for ways to own exposure into Asia. Cheap monetary policy... In Japan, monetary policy in China—that's just when you're growing at eight percent, you're a bulldozer. It's like there's—you know—you ever watch the NFL? Of course you have. And there's a, the running back who's like tall and sleek and beautiful, and then there's that guy who's like five foot two and he looks like a bowling ball. That's where I'm seeing things right now, as far as Asia goes and China goes, uh, in Japan. Just that—that that, tie those things up. Thailand's continuing to grow enormously. Um, I like Asia. If you've ever been to Asia, I'm not going to say it's cute. I'm not going to insult the people. But I'm going to say that there's a lot of growth to happen. Housing is gaining. Confidence is gaining. The economy is improving. Autos are improving. 2014 will be an interesting year for Tesla. It will be an interesting year for the dashboard as Google Chrome, or Google's going to announce it CS next week. More and more car news. Makes sense. We all have TVs. We all have cars. Google and Apple want to get into both because we have them. Will someone buy Tesla? Google's got the money to do it, Apple's got the money to do it, GM's got the money to do it. They're pretty cars. Price is right gave away their most valuable car ever. hundred and fifty seven thousand dollar sports car. Now what's interesting to note about that is you have to pay taxes anytime you win on a game show or the lottery. And it's typically like fifty percent. So that's pretty pricey. Can you imagine winning a hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars car and then having to, you know, come up with fifty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars? $70,000 to pay for it, to get the winnings, to pay the taxes to cover the winnings. I'm going to put um, you in the ovary. That's what I'm going to do. Great shot <laughs> to the baby maker. That hurts. Uh, Where are going to take the money from. Anyhow, and anyway, 800 516 1220 to get your calls in there. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls in there. Hey, HP employees, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Another 5,000 jobs are going to be cut above the, and beyond the 29,000. Originally it was 24, then it became 27, then it became 30, like it's starting to add up. Now, HP said it's going to stop at 34,000, but I guess it all depends on how many computers they sell and how much business they continue to retain, how much money they make and don't make. So that's a confidence downsizing. And it's doing well in that downsizing. Labor is the biggest cost of business. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Six.
0: Rob Black online at robblack. dot com. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. A CD ladder is something that has been talked about in financial terms as a way of creating income in retirement. You get one C D that's three years from now, two years from now, and one year from now, so it's two different CDs and as one matures, the other one is a year away. So you get the income from the matured one, you wait a year, get the income from the second one, wait a year, get the income from the third one, and you keep buying to replace the one that just came for, to fruition, another three year. I hate that. Because that is a way of getting people in over their heads, it's a way of screwing people up. A CD ladder is great when interest rates are 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 percent, but they're not. You need income in your retirement. You need income in your portfolio. CD ladder is is not an effective idea in the low interest rate environment. Now, for those of you who want absolutely positively no risk, yeah, maybe. A CD, a certificate of deposit, is is kind of a cash equivalent from a bank. It's not going to get you into trouble, but it's not going to beat inflation. It's going to be deflationary. Your dollars, your cash are going to deflate in the ability to purchase. I'm not a big fan. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to a call. Let's see, we got Saul. Better call Saul.
3: Saul? Bob, how are you doing? Good. Cool. how's everything? No, uh, I think it's good. I want, wanted to call you. Uh, I've got on my computer here at work, and I uh, just pulled up my 401K. I uh, wanted to talk to you about it and see if uh, what you thought and maybe uh, make some changes for next year. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I've emailed you a couple times, and you've always given me good advice, so uh, I called you a couple times, too. So I wanted to call you uh, before you're in here uh, and see what you thought. Um so um basically uh, I'm contributing 15%. Um it looks like I have uh 60 67% in uh the Coca-Cola stock fund That's my employer. Um, I have uh 9% in JPM CB Smart Retirement 2035 fund, uh US Large Cap Activity Equity Fund and US SMID Cap Equity Fund. Uh, 9%, 16%, and 8%, and 67% in the Coca-Cola Stock Fund. Um, just wanted to see what you thought. And I'm contributing 15%, but I am thinking about uh, raising it to uh, 20% going into the next year.
2: Okay. Um, contribute as much as you can, up to $17,500. you have got too much in Coca-Cola, as you probably well know. Mm-hmm. Um they already provide your health insurance. They already provide your disability insurance. They might provide adoption services. They may provide long-term, short-term disability. Um, you got too much of the company. I like Coca-Cola. I think they'll have a good year next year. Um, I think they're very well positioned to have a good year. A lot of people hate Coca-Cola. Sugary drinks, carbonated. You know the story. Even juices. Um you talk to a dentist, and he's like, you drink juice? Like, that's crazy. That's just sugar out of your teeth. You should eat an orange instead of drinking orange juice. Um, one of the things I like about Coca-Cola around is that they sell water because people buy it, and it's a huge profit maker for the company. Um, I think what I'm going to say to you is that obviously you have too much Coca-Cola, and thanks for the call. Um, let my producer know when I say thanks for the call to mute the caller so I can actually hear myself again. Thank you. Thank um, you. I think, okay, this is a good example of something to think about. The way I've got my 401k set up, I've got about 30% in something like an S&P 500 fund. So that gets you large cap growth, large cap value, large cap blend in the United States. I've got 20% tied towards international markets. I've got 15% tied towards developing markets. I've got 16% tied towards small cap, and I've got 20% tied towards, you know, dividend appreciation. That's not to say it's right. It's to say that it's right for me. It's not to say it's right for you. Now, I'll repeat that. The first 30%, roughly, is in a large-cap blended type of fund, like an S&P 500. Uh, You know, an S&P 500 up 29% last year with 3% dividends, up 32%. So, most large-cap blended funds should be in that neighborhood. ETFs, whatever you want to say. Then I've got 20% purely in international. Now, some of that is directly specific to Asia. Some of it is just purely international. I have no problems owning stocks from any country. I can make a case for most countries, except for Russia. I just don't like Russia. Um, I've got 15% going into developing markets, which is different than international markets. Think of them as much smaller economies that are developing. Um, 16% in a small cap fund in the United States. Um, that gives me good exposure to the economy tied towards the United States, not necessarily the world economies. The international gives me world economies. The SP 500 gives me world economies. And then i got some dividend appreciation where I like the dividend growers. Do I have any bonds now? have any hedges? Nope. So instead of telling you, because you rattled off, and seriously, if you go back and listen to this tape, the way you rattled off what you own, um, intimidating. Because I can't possibly write all that down. What I wrote down was 67% of Coke and the 2035. Now, the 2035, Saul, is a pretty good angle. What you're basically going after is a dumb way of accumulating money. So instead of me saying 20%, 30% S&P, 10% international, another 10% international, some developing, a 2035 fund does all that for you, knowing that when you're young now, I'm guessing you're probably 35 and you want to retire in 30 years, and thus the 2035. That's about what you're saying, that you're going to retire in 20 years from now. So you're somewhere between 30 and 40 um, you have know, too much cooked to call it said at all time. high. congratulations. It's going to have another good year this year, I believe. 2014, congratulations. But I need you to you'd start thinking about diversifying out of that. I need you to start putting more money into the retirement because it's doing you well. Um, the 2035 fund is is brilliant because it basically is a low-cost fund of funds. So, it owns some large, it owns some small, it owns some mid, it owns some international, it owns some emerging, it owns some gold. So, we, The way I like to look at the 2035, 2040, the retirement funds, is if you're 40 and you haven't saved enough for retirement, do not choose the 2035. You need to pretend like you're going to retire in 2045 or 2055 and choose those funds because in reality, you may have to because you haven't saved enough for retirement. These funds tend to be a little bit on the conservative side. So if you're behind, I want you to be more aggressive and add years to retirement. If you're ahead and you've got $5 million and you still have 10 years left of work, I want you to be a lot more conservative. It depends on where you are, and that's probably the best way that I can say that. If you get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, I do think it is interesting that HP came out and announced yesterday in one of their filings that they're going to fire another 5,000 people. Moving the number up to 34,000 total. Why do I find that interesting? Because it's end of the year, and they're trying to slip it out so that no one knows about it. Or that no one overreacts, or no one calls them the evil company. I'm not going to buy it from HP because they fire a lot of people. Um, HP, one of those companies that was left for dead by me and others, pretty good year. And it goes to show you that, like, just by firing people, you can help yourself out. Stock's gone from $12 at the start of the year to $28, huge year, and paid a dividend along the way. Um, it's well off its what I, thought, what I thought would be a more normalized market cap in the you know, $35 to $40 level. It's got a low PE, so it still has room, but they don't have growth. They have earnings because they're firing people and downsizing their operations. They don't have growth. So when you look at valuation, you go, man, these guys are half the valuation. No, no, they're not half. Trading at almost 11 times this year's earnings, 10 times next year's earnings. Um, Well, actually, I see one analyst that sees them at seven times next year's earnings. So they're half the S&P 500. They're incredible value if they can find growth. And if they can't, it could be what's called a value trap cautious on that one so and i don't like the fact that meg whitman tried to slip that in during the holiday season just more evidence that they're not the company they used to be i love michael bloomberg in one of his last acts as mayor of new york city he's banned e-cigarettes in public he tried to go after coca-cola and he tried to, he made some pretty good changes um for the city of New York that I think the rest of the world's going to, you know, follow up on. But a bill that lumps e cigarettes into smoke free air means devices are banned everywhere smoking's banned. Smokers turn to them to get that last second nicotine fix in, you know, restaurants and bars and funeral homes. So he actually sees them as cigarettes. And I think that's great. Um, I think he was a good mayor. So I think New York improved under his tenure. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. He took some chances, and um, some of them worked out, some of them didn't. But it was nice to see a government try instead of being stuck in, uh, you know, strife. You know, this is Rob Black and your money. You can find me online at robblack.com. got a big retirement event coming up in the middle part of January in Palo Alto. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
0: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for a wonderful year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Um, I can't say thank you enough. I will do my best next year to keep you in tune of what to expect. Um, hopefully, we're more right than wrong. Hopefully, we see the trends. Obviously, some of the big trends that I see in the world of technology that hopefully you see as well um, are fun. I think one of the bigger ones has got to be, you know, the streaming media versus broadcast media and the, the teeter-totter and how it's changing. And don't underestimate the importance of a Katie Kirk or David Pogue to Yahoo. Will it make them – will it make Yahoo viable? It could. If it's done correctly, It could. And I'm not waffling when I say that. I'm saying it's still a little bit too early to see the results in advertising. You know, Facebook to me feels very empty in their advertisements. But watching a news update from me on Yahoo, hint, hint, wink, wink, dutch, dutch, Marissa, if anyone at Yahoo is listening, I will be your financial editor. Um, that's a $40 stock. That's had a Mongo big year. Um, a lot of it's tied towards the Alibaba IPO, but a lot of it's tied towards Marissa Mayer. She works the crazy 100-hour weeks. I yeah, know. Go do the math on that one. 100-hour weeks. Um, and then she goes on vacation for like a week at a time <laughs> to rejuvenate. This year, that stock has gone from 18 bucks to 40 bucks a share. And it's mostly tied towards the Alibaba IPO, but also she's using money right now to try to get into a position that the company benefits. Um, that's a big trend. Another big trend, I believe, is going to be, obviously, we're watching more things on our mobile and our tablet devices, so that, you know, covers that. Mobile mobile payments are going to be huge next year. Uh, We saw it with the target data breach, that credit cards are stupid, that we should be using our phone or credit card with a semiconductor on it, which is your phone is the size of a credit card with a lot of semiconductors in it. We shouldn't be using swipe technology anymore. And I almost want to think that, you know, Target getting hacked, that could have been a Google hack. It could have been anyone basically trying to say, wake up, people. I know it's not a Google hack. Don't email me. But I think that's going to be a big story next year. I think more and more business is going up with uh, mobile strategies. Um, I think one of, you know... That trends of the cloud computing ain't going to go away. Thus, Salesforce.com is going to stay quite relevant. We'll get a new Samsung phone that's going to be insanely powerful. Will it have the environment that Apple has? Probably not. But a lot of people are starting to think that, okay, you know what? I don't mind having a Kindle, Amazon Kindle reader. I don't mind having a Google tablet. I don't mind having an Apple TV or... Uh, Chromecast by Google. So Samsung's biggest advantage in smartphone wars is that it makes a lot of its own internal components, like displays, processors. It's got a zippy new mobile memory chip that it announced yesterday, and it's going to be used in their next Galaxy S5. With that new chip, Samsung will focus on the premium mobile market, including large-screen smartphones, tablets, ultra-thin notebooks that offer four times the resolution of full HD. So this will be a chance for Samsung to make a phone that's faster than the iPhone 5S. Apple's latest chip, the A7, is much faster than the other smartphone processor out there. So it's going to be another smartphone war year, right? It's a Apple, for their part thirty percent true. Apple, for their part, has to come up with a phone that bends or does something funny. We expect that from them. Um, new Apple TV product. Apple TV product has got to have some sort of subscription model is what a lot of people believe. They could go out and buy Netflix if they wanted to and have a subscription model just like that. They can try to license the technology or license the content that Netflix is licensing. And just like that, they've got a device and a subscription model. They've been tinkering. Other stories of note to continue to pay attention to. Um, a, lot of startup, a lot of startup money. This is starting to feel like too much startup money, a lot like the dot-com mania of 99-2000. When all you had to do is have a dot-com and bam, just like that, you did pretty well as far as funding goes. You brought the company public. You, you had a huge run. And it all ended badly. Companies that basically ran out of money. Now companies are coming public that have some sort of business model other than lose money, but not a lot of deepness to their business model. Uber. And um, some of these apps that are displacing uh, business models, I find it very interesting. Uber and Lyft, um, everyone wants to get a ride with Uber and Lyft, so check out Uber if you have it, Take a symbol, U-B-E-R, just to show you how many, um, what I mean by there's kind of too many IPOs, too many, too much funding um, I can think of three or four apps that are basically tied towards infidelity or pure sex. One of them is called Pure, P-U-R-E, that basically ties into your Facebook profile. And if you want to get down with that person, you just type down. You swipe down. If you find them unattractive and don't want anything to do with them, you put a big old X on them. There's three or four of pure... There's therefore purely sexual apps that, again, tells you how many do we need. And that's one of the problems that's happening right now in the Silicon Valley and New York is a lot of apps are really kind of bullet shots. They're very unique, and we don't need all that uniqueness. At some point in time, it becomes a little bit too much. Anyway, I've run out of time. Um, Thanks so much for listening this year. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for everything. I'll be back live Thursday morning and friday as well so take a day off enjoy the new year happy new year congratulations on a great year in the market and uh thanks for letting me into your ears talk to you soon